We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, IB Nation Sports Talk. We are rolling. He's Jesse Styers. I'm Sean Styers. He is sweatier than I. <laughs> looking good. Looking sharp. Had to just watch the Cubs lose another game. Yeah, I'm sure you're pretty happy about that. They tied it up and then gave up a homer in the bottom of the eighth as soon as they tied it up. I saw but- Marcus Stroman give up the home run. The did Christian you see Yelich what, home run. Did you see bef- the sequence before that, though? I didn't see what you were complaining about on the socials. There, go go it, ahead. It's, it's just ridiculous, you know. I, I've been <laughs> I've been holding out as long as I can, but I can no longer hold out anymore. Robot umpires are needed. It is a necessity, <laughs> and I'm just sick of it. You know, Strowman had had a full count on a guy. And he, he dropped – this is two outs. He drops a slider into the corner. It, it's it's a clear strike. Like, not the ball's not even touching outside of the zone. It is clearly touching the entire corner of the zone. They call it a ball. Gets his walk. Next guy hits a single. Next guy is Yelich, and he hits a three-run bomb. Four runs are given up because an ump can't call a, a proper strike three call. And I, I just think that's ridiculous. I don't know what to tell you. I guess I missed all that. It was it was background until I heard uh, Bugshiambi do the do the home run call. I, I I missed your your borderline ball strike. So it was I guess borderline. Say, it was all strike. I guess you could say Jesse's a little salty today, and salty's been in here with uh, a lot of different uh, chiming in, and you know one appreciate salty Virginia peanuts. He says. Let's go for a 100% like rating on today's show. If you're in the chat but haven't liked the show, get out, return after liking it. The show stinks. You can unlike it later. I hope it doesn't stink. We'll find out. I literally, like, I also saw Salty, you know, giving us a hard time kind of about the uh, the topic of today's show. You know, like, the you, you fall into a coma. You wake up three years from now. What have you missed, basically? What have you missed in the last three years, specific to Notre Dame football? Tyler J. Robinson says, 
I'm sure by 26, 2026, they'll be the only school to ever land six-star recruits. I mean, who knows, right? Who knows? I I think well, the, the better salty comment of the evening is, for example, I reserve the right to unlike any show that doesn't have a whiteboard unless it also <laughs> doesn't have Jesse. I don't want to see Sean or Vince try to whiteboard. That's a that's a compliment in my opinion. So fair point. Thank you. But you've uh, you've given up whiteboarding. So. I haven't given it up. Yes, you have. No, I haven't. Don't if, put words if, in my mouth. If you were prepared to whiteboard, there would be more whiteboarding on this show. I'm always prepared to whiteboard. Do you have something ready to whiteboard tonight? Nah, not not specifically for this topic. See. <laughs> All right. So the theme today. And I literally, like, I woke up. Were you in a trans? What are we going to talk about on today's show? And this popped into my head. What the heck? You know, so you slip into a coma, a theoretical coma tomorrow. You wake up exactly three years later. That means you'd miss the next three Notre Dame football seasons. You would miss three recruiting cycles. You would miss three NFL drafts, among other things obviously, but you wake up, what are you going to look back and see that Notre Dame did over the last three years? Marcus Freeman and the football program. And I mean, think about the last three years leading up to where we are right now, 2020, who saw the pandemic and, you know, that whole season coming, but Notre Dame turned it into its second college football playoff appearance. 2021, they just missed the playoff. Brian Kelly becomes the program's all-time wins leader. End of the season, he's off to LSU. Insert Marcus Freeman, 2022, 8-4 last year. So, like, just think of where they've been the last three years as you try to project what they're going to do over the next three years. Does that make your job any tougher when you think about it that way? No, it doesn't. I'm prepared anyway. My job doesn't get tougher or easier. When you come prepared, there's no such thing. All right. I see we've got some. uh, some, some... I'm I'm noticing this too. You know, I don't understand the. We we welcome you as a guest, right? Yes. Why show up and just blatantly talk about Buckeye football when you haven't been provoked in any manner? Right. Yeah. And, you know, look, we don't. Basically, if you're going to hang out, you know, you don't have to be a Notre Dame fan to hang out. We have USC people come in. We've had Ohio State people before. We've got Alabama regulars in the show. Just chill. You know, don't be a jabroni. That's all we ask. That's your favorite word, jabroni. If you jabroni this thing, I'm going to iron chic you right out the door. Okay? That's just. (laughs) Executive order. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So, Tyler. Chill out. This is your good jabroni warning. We're here for the good time. You get one jabroni <laughs> warning. I see more jabroni. If it, wasn't, if it was Vince, he'd probably be out of here. So I guess he should be fortunate. That's right. That, that, you know, see, that is Vince's background as a public school employee. Is like Vince is just, Vince's line is a lot thinner than mine. You know, like I've. <laughs> Which is kind of surprising. I know. I've said it before. You'd think that Vince's. You'd think that Vince is the one who's, what, 13, 14 years older. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I've enjoyed the USC fans the last couple of weeks because they provide good content. It's it's just good 
you know, banter amongst two, um, what's the word, passionate fan groups, you know? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Well, let's just get this thing started. So you fall into a coma. You wake up in 2026. You've missed the last three years. How many college football playoff appearances did you just miss for Notre Dame? I missed a solid two appearances uh, from Notre Dame in the college football playoff. And I would say the only pass that I'm giving is this season when it's a field of four. But when we're going into the, the, the field of 12, I don't think there's any reason or any excuse that, uh, that, that Notre Dame can't be in those playoffs. You can't tell me that Notre Dame can't be a top 12 team in the country uh, back-to-back years. It's a lot easier to be a top 12 than a top four, obviously, you know? So I, I think that really you could make the case that if, if Notre Dame only loses one game this year, that they, that they will be in the playoffs too. So it's a strong, like three out of three, definitely two out of three appearances um, on my end. The only thing that would give me doubt um, is what's going to happen at the quarterback position, right? Because you only have Sam Hartman as a one-year rental, you would like to have them for the year after that when it's a, a field of 12 teams. And so the thing that's got to be, you know, basically, can they develop quarterbacks? If the answer is yes, then the then the, the playoff appearances should also be there um, at the same time, in my opinion. So I'm a little confused. Is it three or is it two? Because you started off by saying it's two. two. It seemed like you went to three. It's two, but three is like not out. Like it's very reachable at the same time. 
Right. And I'm in the same, I'm in the same boat as you. Like once the, once the format expands to 12, I'm very confident at you know, that, that Notre Dame will participate in those two college football playoffs. It's this year. That's the biggest question. And, and, you know, just what you said, what's, what's the quarterback situation going to be? What's going to happen if something that happens to Sam Hartman, if they're in the same situation as last year, I'm not confident that, uh, that a playoff appearance is coming. And they obviously have three big games. Um, spoiler alert, one of them's against Ohio State, right? One of them is against USC. The other is against Clemson. And still have to address the whole, you know, how, how confident. And we're going to get to, you know, some of the other stuff in, in, in terms of, you know, Marcus Freeman, his future. That's That's on the list of things that we'll address here. But I'm very confident in the two college football playoff appearances. You know, maybe that's a cop-out because the field's going to expand, but I'll say two as well. I'm right there so with you. I saw something for this season. Um, I can't remember who it was. I think I sent it to you very late last night. I That's the thing is I, I start laying down in the evening time and I, I start catching up on a lot of stuff that I miss. And I see a lot of interesting tweets and I'll start firing them out to people. But then I realized it's a it's like midnight. So either you, you don't see it when you wake up and or you or you see it and you're like, oh, okay, that's cool as you're like still kind of waking up. Or you see it later on the day and you're like, oh, that was pretty interesting. But what I saw last night is that Notre Dame is actually it, it was it was uh, a breakdown of the teams and how many games they're favored in this season. And it was 12, mm-hmm. 11, 10, 9. Where do you think Notre Dame falled or fell? In those, are they favored in 12 games, 11 games, 10 games, or nine games? Well, I saw this list and you did send oh. it to me. So, yeah, I saw this list actually before you sent it to me. And that's oh. what I was, I was so trying ahead. to figure out, sort of had to, to work it in. But yeah, um, it's nine. They're favored in nine games this season. I guess that's interesting to me. So they're basically saying Ellis or not, Clemson, Ohio State, and, um, USC. USC are all favorites. I guess I didn't realize that. I thought Notre Dame was at least the favorite in one of those games. Um. Well, this is this is not Vegas. This is that that particular tweet. And I've actually, I think I've still got the image right here. Let me find it for you. I actually had screenshot that. Okay, so this is Colin Wilson. He's a senior writer for the Action Network. Ah, the, okay. Um, it is his power ratings. Alabama, Georgia, Louisville, Michigan, Washington favored in 12. Clemson, Florida State are favored in 11 games. Also favored in 11. Liberty, North Carolina just speaks to their schedule, I think, more than anything. <laughs> Ohio State, Oklahoma, South Alabama, Texas, Toledo, Tulane, Utah, Wisconsin. Uh, favored in 10 games. Air Force, Baylor, Boise State. Kind of a little bit surprised by Baylor, considering the expansion of the Big 12. Coastal Carolina, Maryland, Navy, Ole Miss, Oregon, Troy, Western Kentucky. And favored in nine games in uh, Colin Wilson's Action Network HQ power ratings, Kentucky, Louisiana, LSU, Marshall, Memphis, Northern, um, 
Yeah, Northern Illinois, North Texas, Notre Dame, Oregon State, Penn State, Rice, Texas Tech, and UCLA. Surprised to see Penn State in that nine and LSU as well because talked about LSU's schedule. Really, Florida State, Alabama, like those are those are the two biggest. You know, and then you've got Texas A and M. So they are they not favored in all three of those games? That would be interesting because I feel like. You know, again, obviously beating Alabama back-to-back years is not easy, but I feel like LSU relative, like in comparison to Notre Dame, LSU has fewer big game hurdles to clear than Notre Dame does, for example, when you look at the two schedules. Yeah. I guess uh, overall what I was kind of just tying back into this, you know, this upcoming season and, you know, if we woke up in a coma, would you be surprised if Notre Dame lost – all three games against USC, Ohio State, and Clemson. Yes. Yes, I would. I would be too. And that's where I, I thought – I thought like 10 is where I was – I would be, you know, happy landing. But to me, realistically, that number is 10 or 11. I don't expect a 12, and I don't think 9 is realistic either. But I think 10 or 11 is where it's at. But if I if I woke up – if I, you know, went into a coma tomorrow and woke up in 2026 – and you told me that they lost all three games and went nine and three, potentially eight and four, because none of the rest of the games are a given considering what we saw last year with Marshall and yeah. Stanford. I mean, that would be a failure of a season, in my opinion. For this year, if they For lose all year. three. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I don't, I don't think, think that, you that would can, be. At yeah. Notre Dame, you can't lose the three biggest games of the season. You at least have to win one of those. And to me, you know, not to make expectations too high, but I think you need to win two of those three. Let's save that because we've got where Marcus Freeman fits into our sort of future projections waking up three years from now. We've got that coming up in a little bit, but we've got Notre Dame in two college football playoffs in the next three years is what we started off with. So how many actual playoff wins will they have? And remember... Again, four-team field this year. Starting next year, though, 12-team field, and there will be four rounds of the playoff when the playoff expands to 12. So how many playoff wins will they have in the next three years? So I'm trying to go through the – 12 would go down. So here's here's what it looks buys? like. There's got to be buys. So the top four seeds get a buy, right? And that means okay, the, the other means. eight teams play the first round. And then it goes so here's down how to it eight. Goes. You've got, you've got, it, it, it'll basically take two wins for Notre Dame to get to the semifinals because they've got, they're never going to get a, a bye because of the agreement that they have with the playoff. So they play the first round, you win there, then you play one of the top four seeds. That's the quarterfinals. You win there, you get to the semifinals. So you've got to win two games to get to the semis, got to win three games to get to the national championship game. You've got to win four games if you're Notre Dame to win it all. Oof. Um, so we are talking about playoff wins in the next three seasons. I think this year you can chalk up one at maximum. Um, the year after that, I think you can give another one to two. And then the year after that, I would definitely say two. So I would say at minimum – Three playoff wins, I would realistically like to sit somewhere around the four range is where I would like to land. And I think that 
you could, like I said, you could st- maybe steal one this year. Next year, I think if you, you definitely have to get in and you have to win one and get to that, you know, stage of eight, essentially. And I think there's where it becomes a tougher matchup. But then the year after that, I would expect to win and then to get past the hurdle that you didn't get the year before. So I'm going to say three playoff wins is a lock and then a push would be four. I'm in that range as well. I'm really curious to see these the first couple years of the playoff. You know, does a team that has to play in that first round, how far do they get? Teams that have to play more games. Obviously, you're going to be lower seeded as well. But at the same time, remember, it's the four highest seeded conference champions that get those buys. So theoretically, you could be a number four seed, whereas Notre Dame could be the number one or number two ranked team in the nation, but only be a five seed because of the fact that they're not going to get a first round buy. But teams that that have to play in the first round, I'm really curious to see. Like, do they, you know, do, how how quickly one of them gets to a national championship game? Again, you got to win three just to get to the national championship game. But I'm with you. I think those first couple of years of the playoffs, Notre Dame will combine for three wins and maybe even more because by 2020, let me see, we're waking up in 2026. So we got the 23, 24, 25 seasons. You know, like is C.J. Carr the guy leading the Irish in those games? Is Kenny Minchie the guy leading the Irish in those games? It's going to be really curious to see. And, you know, like what what quarterback recruiting starts to look like. And what do you think about that? Like quarterback development, what do you think it looks like over these next three years? Yeah, so quarterback development is, to me, been Notre Dame's biggest downside in the last decade, decade and a half. I mean, really since Brady Quinn and Jimmy Clausen, it's been bad. And I, okay. Ian book, good quarterback, homegrown, whatever. But Ian book was like a solid system quarterback. It felt like to me, like you couldn't place Ian book on another team and he would get better or even maybe play the same in my opinion. So that Ian book as a quarterback development is a toss up to me. I think, I think they did what they needed to do to fit him into Notre Dame, but outside of Notre Dame, I don't know if he would have much success at the quarterback position. Right. Agreed. So. Although, although Mike Leach wanted him, Mike Leach wanted him pretty badly when he was still up there at Washington state. Yeah. And maybe that would have worked out, but I, I just don't, don't really necessarily see it. But to me, what you need in, in terms of quarterback development over the next three years is Sam Hartman's going to be gone. I think that with the young core and, and you know, C.J. Carr, Kenny Minchie, that would be kind of who's on deck for the next three years. I think you need to bring in someone again from the transfer portal just as an emergency you know, blanket. If he starts, he starts. If your grown talent starts, okay. But I think – you know, next year it, it could be Minchie or Carr, but the season after the, the the next two seasons after that is where I really need to see the quarterback development. And I I need quarterback development as in someone who is going to be a two year starter, and you have someone behind him who's ready and queued up to take over the reins when the starter leaves, essentially. So 
I think quarterback development, you need to have someone prepared, not for, you know, the 2020, this is, we're coming up on the 2023 season, the 2024 season. I'm, I'm okay with, you know, maybe being a little bit underdeveloped at the quarterback position, but when it comes to 2025 and 2026, I think you need a solid one, two punch of whoever that is and being prepared for worst case scenario. So if one goes down, there shouldn't be a drop off in two and one should be good enough to take you to those college football playoff appearances and get you those college football playoff wins. That's what quarterback development looks like for me over the next three years. It's got to get to the point where you're bringing in not just four-star guys, but high-end four-star guys and borderline five-star type guys. And you've got that's that's what you've got in that room. Like you're you you know you're not you're not settling for for lesser guys when you're bringing them in. And just what you said, it there, there has to be a succession that starts to take place. That's the because, word I was looking for, like a plan of succession. Right, exactly. And you know that's 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 you know just like look at Alabama. Even though they you know brought in Tyler Buckner this year, this is. This is the off year. This is the first time they've had to do it. You know, obviously they've lost more quarterbacks and Georgia has lost more quarterbacks to the transfer portal. You know, like there, there, there has to be a line that starts to take place where you're bringing in high end guys and maybe, maybe you lose a guy or two to the transfer portal because you're bringing in such high quality guys and they're not just game managing, they're thriving and this offense turns into something that we, you know, really, as as you said, haven't seen since probably at least since Deshaun Kaiser. But, you know, going back even before that to what you were talking about, Jimmy Clausen and, and Brady Quinn, because, I, you know, you can knock Brian Kelly all you want. There's plenty of reasons to. But he was right about Deshaun Kaiser. He needed to stay at Notre Dame for another year and especially after the year that he had. And, you know, I like, think that was one of the bigger letdowns because I think he could have had a tremendous year if he, if he stayed one more season. Right. Right. And he had big arm talent. I agree. And so I think two years from now, you, you know, you're seeing probably a good battle like between Minchie and, and, and Carr. one of those guys emerges as the starting quarterback. And then, like you said, you expect to get at least, two years out of that guy, but at the same time, you're developing the next guy, getting him ready to go so you can plug him in. And, you know, because, you know, again, like look at Alabama as the example, how much experience did Bryce Young have before he took over at quarterback? To me, what the ideal situation is, is I, I really like CJ Carr and the prospects of CJ Carr. And he, to me, a good quarterback development season he plays at Notre Dame for three seasons and he starts to sniff, you know, some of those kind of records by prior quarterbacks. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't need him to, to break records or shatter records or anything like that, but he needs to be on pace and he needs to be kind of sniffing them. But I think if that's the, if, if that's the case, if CJ Carr is your starter for three years, I don't see Menchie staying around all those years. And I think you got to have someone developing behind Carr with those upcoming three years that I'm talking about. To me, that's the ideal situation. It's not ideal to lose Minchie, but it's ideal to have someone playing and developing for three years and also developing someone right behind him. So when Carr leaves, that guy can step in and potentially play for two seasons and have right. a really strong two seasons after that. 
Right. And then the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. Right. Like this needs to, they need to somehow start a conveyor belt of quarterbacks. <laughs> and I know that's, that's like, that's probably everyone's dream. Right. But like it's Notre Dame, like it shouldn't be as big of an issue as it's been recently. And I think that someone like Gino Gadouli can help with that because he can offload some of the quarterback responsibilities, recruiting, etc. And so I just, as a whole, Notre Dame needs to develop at the quarterback position, not only in terms of, you know, you know, production by the quarterback himself, but it's, it's a coaching staff thing. It's, you got to have the continuous rotation or conveyor belt of, you know, quarterbacks coming in. Yes. Sean Davis and I were talking the other day just about this very thing about, you know, you plug quarterback in, you kind of you kind of hand off that baton. We were talking about recruiting as well and kind of how the quarterback plays into it. You get a higher level of quarterback and it automatically helps offset, you know, like Notre Dame is recruiting at a higher they're still recruiting at a higher level under Marcus Freeman. You know, even even though they've missed out on some of these big time guys, but if if the big time guys that you start to get are at least the quarterbacks that elevates everything else you know if if you start to get much higher level play and not playing around the quarterback like you're playing through the quarterback that that really becomes a game changer for the program and again the the blue chip ratio that mark since marcus freeman has been involved in recruiting is over 70 percent for notre dame over the last three cycles including the current cycle right now over 70 Whereas the blue chip ratio, and that is the blue chip ratio, the percentage of four and five stars that you have in a given class, the Brian Kelly blue chip ratio was about 52%. So Marcus Freeman, about 20% higher in terms of getting four and five star guys compared to what Brian Kelly was getting. Now, the difference still continues to be, even for Marcus Freeman, you're not getting the five star guys. So again, when we wake up three years from now, What's the five-star recruiting number going to be? How many five-star guys does Freeman get in the next three cycles that we wake up and see three years from now? So this one's hard to get to, to, to remove like personal like wants and needs, right? Like it's one thing to say, <laughs> I expect this many five-stars, but like what's a true right. realistic number, right? What's exactly. <sighs> If you already said this, forgive me, but how many has Marcus Freeman landed since being at Notre Dame already? Do you know that number? Uh, Jalen Sneed is the only one. Michael Mayer and Jalen Sneed are the last two five stars Notre Dame has landed. So I think what's going to, you're going to start to see, and it's it kind of, I'm going to backtrack a little into the quarterback development, but also kind of played into my answer to this, what you just asked me about five star recruits. Okay. I think what happens is, is once you start to prove on a national scale that one, your program has taken a step, you're winning meaningful games, you're developing quarterbacks that are, you know, moving on to the next level. I think naturally you start to get more interest from higher caliper recruits, right? Because recruits want to play at a place where they can contend and win a national championship. They can develop as a player and move on to the next level. And I, and then the third component, 
is, you know, what kind of money are they being given? That's just the, the current landscape of football. So I think if, if Marcus Freeman can continue to, to, you know, chug this thing along and get more players in and out into the next level and have success at the same time, I think a realistic number over the next three seasons is like one and a half per season. And so then that would put me at somewhere around the five range, four to five range, I think. And to be more optimistic, I'm going to put that at the five range. I don't think, I think two per year is a little bit too much right now. I wanted to say six, two per per year, but I feel like five is a better number to land on. So I, I think naturally as the program gets better, Marcus Freeman's name starts to gain a little bit more traction. They start winning in the national you know, stage. I think you're going to draw more interest from these five-star recruits. So I'm going to stand on, on my solid number of five. I agree with all those things about the success, and especially if they can win at least two of those marquee games that we're talking about you know, this year between Ohio State, Clemson, and USC. I think that helps you as well. Important to remember that the current 2024 cycle is part of the next three cycles, and currently they have zero five-stars in there. Now, I'll bring up the comment here from Josh Buffo in just a second. I heard an interview recently. I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but he um, worked for 24-7. And he said something, you know, his his whole thing is is – recruiting and spinning it forward to, you know, I think the, the the topic of conversation in the interview was how you, you know, predict whether or not a guy coming out of high school is going to be an NFL draft pick. Everyone's definition, see, I'll go ahead and put this up there. Josh Buffo, the motivational business banker. I think Drake. <laughs> Quite the name. Yeah, I know, right? Drake Bowen, CJ Carr, Cam Williams are five stars, but they get deducted points for going. Yeah, and that's all and that's, also the nat- nature of the beast. And that's that's part of it. What what this guy said though, again, someone who worked for 24-7, basically, depending on which, you know, which which rating service you're looking at, you know, your stars will vary, obviously. I think we all know that, right? And you know, they're is there something to this, you know, like, you know, all the, you know, they're going to Notre Dame. And so all of a sudden they get deducted. I think it's, you know, when, when, when you look at, you know, some of this stuff, like there's, there's something to it. Um, But 24 seven specifically, what this guy said was they only have 32 five stars per year, 24 seven. And I didn't realize this. He said, the reason there are only 32 five stars per year there are 32 NFL teams, and they are saying you've got 32 picks in the first round. So what what they are saying is these are the 32 guys who we are projecting, you know, three to four years from now are going to be first round NFL draft picks. And that I didn't realize. But then you also have a guy like Tom Lemming, who I just saw tweeting last week when, you know, he he called somebody a five star and somebody tweeted back at him. Well, who are you calling a five star? I haven't seen them called a five star in you know any of these different, you know, rankings. And Tom Lemming said, um, "I created the star system, you know, thirty years ago." And he said he could, you know, he he names fifty to sixty guys per year. So while twenty four seven is only going to have thirty two, 
Tom Lemming, the guy who created the system, has fifty, you know, almost twice as many that he calls five stars. So it's, you know, there is a variance there. Um, but I guess what I'm saying, you know, to, to to boil it all down, back to what you were talking about, you start doing better in these marquee games. You're in the college football playoff. All that is going to help you. How does NIL factor in, though? That is still going to be a huge factor going forward. So I'm going to go on the conservative side, and I will say three, three, three stars in the next three cycles is my answer. Yeah. I So I, I was thinking like a good solid bet is one per year, and I'd be acceptable, you know, happy with that. And then again, my ceiling would be, you know, two per year. So that puts you at six. Right. So anything between three and six, I think is, well, I, I guess I should say anything above three is considered a win for me. But I just felt like five is is the number that's actually going to hit. Like if I was going to bet, I would put it five on the dot. And I wow. think that would that would you would it. you would literally make a bet that they'll get five five stars in the next three cycles. Yeah, I would I would do five or more. Um, and I would okay. feel very comfortable about that. Whew, man. I would not. You know, I again, think that just we be- just tapped into Marcus Freeman right now, and he didn't have the greatest season last year. And when he puts on success in these next coming years, I think that's where you're going to add just a couple more. Like again, like that. That's why that one and a half number was so kind of critical to me because I feel like you're you're going to get instead of one per year, you're going to get that bump up to like one point five per year, and so that's okay. kind of where I'm coming from. Shy Town, going back to what we were talking about with the quarterbacks, where do you where where does Angeli fit over the next few seasons? Ooh, I think Angeli is going to be a Notre Dame lifer, um, and I think Angeli controls his destiny in terms of Notre Dame. I think if he if he really commits and sticks it out, I think he could be a solid backup. You know, again, my what I think happens is CJ Carr becomes the starter at some point. Menchie leaves and then I think Angeli becomes CJ Carr's backup essentially. But I don't I don't see Angeli really leaving and I don't really see him becoming a, a full-time starter. I think he's just a very valuable depth piece and I that's not that's no one wants to hear that as a player, but I I just realistically think that's what he's going it, to it's going to come down to for him at Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, Mike Mike says we got seven five stars until they committed to Notre Dame. I mean, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people would not disagree with you. I, I just, I just love Steve Angeli for like he was doing the CJ Carr stuff during you know w- like what CJ Carr has been doing, you know, in, in terms of you know rallying the recruits, rallying the troops, and stuff like that. You know, getting guys to commit. You know, and being all, you know all about it. I just think it's, it's really tough. Reverend JMH. I mean, this might not be a bad analogy and jelly is Mac Jones and of the college level. Well, yeah. And that's, but, 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 you know, like what he's saying is like, you know, if, if that whole, you know, and like the opportunity arises for Steve and jelly, oh, you know, I he, see what he's saying now. Just that, that, that all the talent that's going to be stacked up in front of him. Like Mac Jones had at Alabama, finally got his one year, and right? Was able to capitalize on it. 
I could potentially see something like that for me. I, I just it's it's just so tough because of what's obviously coming in I behind think his him biggest right now. Window is that transition year where maybe Carr isn't necessarily ready to be the starter yet. Right. Like, can he show something this fall, especially if you know, like he gets some opportunities, but can he show something even behind the scenes and going into next spring that makes them say, you know, maybe we can ride with this guy. All I know is if he's the starter, I will personally make some peanut butter and jelly T-shirts and we can all wear them as he's the starting quarterback. I see what you did there. I see what you did. (laughs) All right. We need Vince's bell. Vince is on vacation all week. What about NFL draft picks? Notre Dame has had 14 draft picks, NFL draft picks the last three years. And most of them came, I think it was two years ago in that big class that they had drafted will they top that in the next three years oh let's let's look at it right now you got two offensive linemen who will got, be drafted so you got joe alt blake fisher, fisher. boom and boom estimate will play Audrey at the next estimate. level yep merriweather will play at the next level Tobias Merriweather. sam hartman will make it i don't know if you can count him though because he's only here for one year He'd still get drafted. He'd be drafted as a Notre Dame player. I think Ben Morrison. Ben Morrison. Uh one of the linebackers will make it. You think so? That's that's what I'm, I'm a amongst little... all of them. I think one of them makes it. Okay, we'll give one one of the three. Okay. So and then to be even more optimistic, I think Chris Tyree, if even if he's not drafted, I think he ends up on a, a roster somewhere because of his okay. speed. Um I'm going to I'm going to have to set this like pretty over and I'm going to go I'm going to go I'm going to go at like 20 is where I where I'm thinking at. I think it's going to be double because like you just started right there you still got the tight ends, you know, Holden Stays, Eli Raridan, Mitchell Evans, you've got the current freshman receivers, Greathouse Flores. You got all the young linebackers James. too. Yeah, you got the young linebackers like Drake Bone, you've got Christian Gray, You've got Jeremiah Love, like Jalen Sneed is still in there. I think they'll someone threw Cam Hart in there. Cam Hart, yep. I forgot about Cam Hart. Like I think they'll double it. Riley Mills is still a possibility. I think they'll double it. I think they'll have at least twenty eight. I think Howard Cross potentially could end up somewhere. Yeah. He's a solid nose tackle. Because again, the more it just stands to reason, the more talented guys that you start bringing in, you know, the the higher their rating coming out of high school, you get them in your program and you continue to develop them, you you should just naturally start to see more more guys crank out and be drafted. So you I think what? they'll at I'm, least double it. I'm I'm 20 I'm at 20 24. I've I've been convinced. I'm going to go like a solid 8 per season that gives you four on each side of the ball. Um to me the only thing that could hold them back is like they have so many young people. So it's like will they even be drafted? eligible you know so i again going off this roster alone like you could see almost 10 guys from this roster potentially on an nfl roster next season and that's already got you halfway to 20 so i like the prospects of of at least 20 and like you said i think i think you could see upwards to 30 by the time it's all said and done i'd set my kind of min and max range between 20 and 30 guys all right before we head into rapid fire 
We've talked about college football playoff appearances, draft picks, five stars, you know, recruiting, all that stuff. The 2025 season, which will be the final, you know, season that we're sleeping or or while we're in this coma, because it would be 2023, 24, 25. So those are the three seasons you're missing. 2025 is going to be season four for Marcus Freeman at that point. So what would the next three years have to look like for worst case for Marcus Freeman? And he would, you know, they would have to move on after the 2025 season without Marcus Freeman. I think what you'd have to look at is kind of a combined record, a composite kind of record, right? And I think what gets you – and I'm looking at regular season only here, right? So that's that's 36 games. I think in order for Marcus Freeman to feel comfortable about where he's at, he can't, he can't really lo- afford to lose – like 9-3 and three, it, to me is the bare minimum. That's even making me feel kind of like uncomfortable, right? So like if he sprinkles in some like 9-3s and threes and 8-4s, and I just don't know – how long Notre Dame will want to stay with that, right? Because, again, that's not horrible in the grand scheme of things, but we're also talking about Notre Dame, right? And so John's kind of right where I'm at right now. 24 and 12, yeah. If you're 8 and 4 for the next three years. I think you got to go. You can't stomach that. And that's where I'm saying like 8 and 4. Especially because the recruiting is 20% better, you know, like we're talking about blue chip ratio than it was under Brian Kelly. Right. And so then like eight and four becomes like, ooh, and then nine and three is like, okay, I can kind of live with it. But it's like, we just talked about if they go nine and three this year and lose to Ohio State, Clemson and USC, you don't feel good about this season, right? Right. And so to me, I think in terms of, you know, total wins, he's got to be 25 or above out of 36, because if you're at 25 and you divide that by 36, that's only a 70% win percentage. And I say only, but again, at Notre Dame, I just feel like 75% and above is kind of what you're aiming for, right? See, and I agree with what DJ is saying. In the expanded playoff, like we were talking about, he needs to make the playoff both years. And it might not be both. He definitely needs to make it one of those two years, I think. Oh. And the expansion, but again, that also puts you that puts two. you well better than the twenty four and twelve mark. You know, assuming you don't have a disaster season in the next two years, right? And so, I yeah, I I'm very John and I I think agree on that. I think twenty four wins and above is where you have to be, and that's like bare minimum. I would feel very very uncomfortable about that. I think realistically, he should be at twenty seven wins or more. Uh, in the next three season that that puts you at nine and three every year. And I think that's bare minimum. I think it's very achievable for this team to go 10 and two comfortably three years in a row and be at, you know, 30 wins or more. And I don't think he's going to be held to that standard, but I think if he's eight and four every year, he gets the boot. I definitely agree with that. If if you're talking about four losses, you know, because that would be four years in a row. If, if, if that's what you're doing, you know, because he's already got a four loss season. And if you're doing that three more years in a row, that's, that's not what anybody signed up for. Right. When you hire Marcus Freeman, like no, no matter how much leeway and, you know, all that stuff that, you know, like 
you knew that there were going to be some growing pains and all those different things, but that's you 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 can't go from a team that won double digits five years in a row to eight and four or worse four years in a row. It's yeah, just, it's, it's because again, I think kind of like what Mister Two Point Oh is saying, nine and three is the record where you decide based on how the roster and other things are projecting going forward. You know, because again, you're looking at a higher level of talent that's walking in the door right now. And, you know, and like you look at Brian Kelly's first couple of seasons, remember they lost to Navy and Tulsa back-to-back weeks, by the way, in, in year number one. Then they had a hiccup against South Florida in year number two. And then, of course, year number three, they lose to Pittsburgh. Year number four, the Northwestern loss. I forgot that, and I went back and looked, Arizona State was a top-10 team when they beat Notre Dame. That was at Arizona State, and it felt it I, I can't remember who the defensive coordinator was, but he blitzed Notre Dame every well, that, damn play. Yeah. So what's again out of your again regular season 12, 24, 36, what's that minimal win number got to be for you? I think it's 25 for me. Minimal win. Eight and four puts you at 24. So realistically, I'm going to change mine to 26. I'm that's that's where I'm staying at 26. I'm saying 28. Oof, you're, I'm you're saying a tough 28. One. I forgot. I, <laughs> I think it's got to be a little bit higher than that because I was just you know 28 puts you at a pair of 10 win seasons, and they have a favorable schedule the next two years realistically yeah, as well. Exactly, exactly. They really do. And again. Once you expand to 12 teams in two years, well, okay, Tommy. <laughs> but we're talking about worst-case scenario. We're, so, you know, Tommy, does that mean they go 12-0, and 0, three straight regular seasons, and then lose in the lose playoffs? Lose in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> – yeah. You'd really be trucking at that point. Again, and we're not saying that they will. We're not obviously not saying that we want to. This is just, just worst-case scenario. What would the worst-case scenario look like if that were going?